This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. And now, your hosts, Brian Broaddus, David Hellman, Bucky Brooks, and Kyle Yeomans. Oh, it's a new Tuesday edition of the Draft Show from the SWBC Mortgage Studios. As always, presented by Miller Lite, as the Senior Bowl is now in the rearview mirror. Next up, the NFL Combine. Oh, wait, I guess that's not happening. This year, but we're going to break it down regardless here on the draft show. We've got Bucky Brooks, Brian Broaddus, David Hellman. I'm Kyle Yeomans, Chris Beam in the back doing fantastic work as always. As we are now 83 days out, gentlemen, from the NFL draft that is supposed to be held in Cleveland, Ohio. And well, the Senior Bowl was held in Mobile, Alabama over the last couple of days and concluded their festivities, festivities rather on Saturday. And one a credit to Jim Nagy and company of getting the Senior Bowl all the way through with only one positive COVID test over 3,400 administered throughout the week down in Mobile. Two, a really great showing for a lot of guys that we're going to kind of break down, some of which that may be wearing stars on the side of their helmet starting as soon as next season. So, well, Bucky Brooks, you, you got a chance to break it down on Thursday, and you get to come back on Tuesday. So what were your overall thoughts of the Senior Bowl and some things that you saw down in Mobile? Well, I mean, I think it was great that they were able to get the game played without a hitch. I think it was probably the most important Senior Bowl that we have seen in some time. Without the combine, without a lot of these private workouts, this is the last time that you were going to get guys get a chance to see guys play ball. And I think there are a lot of players down there that helped themselves. I think you're going to have a faction of scouts to kind of lean on the players that played most recently. And that lasting impression from the Senior Bowl is really going to impact the way draft boards are stacked around the league. Right? Yeah, I think that Buck, yeah, I think Bucky's absolutely right. And you know, you start to talk about, you know, and you mentioned in the open, Kyle, what's gonna happen with the lack of the the combine. And 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 again, tip of the cap to Jim Nagy and the staff, tip of the cap to the players, the coaches from mm-hmm. Carolina and Miami for putting on a great show. It was a very competitive game. I think there were some players that if you were talking about initially, you might have had a certain level on your board. If you've evaluated kids uh, that might have been a fifth-round grade going in, and now maybe, hey, a good senior bowl helped them and elevated them. Maybe it's got them into a third-round status now. Maybe you weren't too sure about kids uh, from a smaller school. You know, we all learned about an offensive lineman from Whitewater, you know, and if, you know, you, now you have to go hunt that tape. And so, you know, there are a lot of things that are great about the Senior Bowl, but the fact that they were able to play the game, make it competitive, do it in a safe manner, I think is, is a great testament to really the whole scouting community. It was such a relief, too. You know, obviously, it's un- an unprecedented Senior Bowl, you know, Brian, you and I didn't go, which is, you know, it's a change for us. But, like, it felt very similar. Like, I, I, you know, you get to sit down and watch the practices and see all the same stuff. Like, I was watching it from my couch instead of the press box at the stadium. But, you know, I still felt like I was able to glean information from it. And I guess, you know, maybe I should have expected that. But you're just – you get so used to doing it one way over the course of seven or eight years – you know, I had a lot of misgivings, but by Thursday, I felt like I had just as similar a grasp on what was going on as I usually do. So that was it was a nice relief that you were still kind of able to glean information from Mobile, even though yeah, obviously very, very different. It did feel a little bit different in the fact that I feel like if we were in the stadium and it wasn't at Lad Peoples this year, it was across the street in South Alabama's campus, but if you were in the stadium, I feel like you would see one side of the field, whereas if you're watching from home, you actually get to see the All-22 and actually kind of get to uh, see it as it comes in. The NFL did a nice job of kind of updating things along the way, and so maybe you get to see a little bit more 
uh, off the top and maybe get to, to not have those preconceived notions whenever it comes to scouting these players because Brian I mean I know you you know this very well as as most do in the past of being at a senior bowl being in one end zone and then the defensive lineman and offensive lineman are in the other end zone you can't really scout at that point but if you have if you hear some things and rumblings from other people that were in that end zone you didn't have that this year you just had kind of the straightforward all 22 tape to evaluate and teams are the same way yeah, no, absolutely. And Kyle, what you got to be is an old crusty scout like me and work your way <laughs> in the press box where you grab binoculars and you can try and, and again, mm-hmm. you got to keep your head on a swivel up there. Bucky was always down there in the middle. Bucky liked to be right where the where the action was. I was always up up top, uh, you know, uh, hanging out with Ozzie Newsome. And, uh, you know, and that was fun for me because I always got an education uh, sitting next to Ozzie uh, during that time. But, yeah, it, the evaluation part of it for the Senior Bowl will never change. And, and, you know, the fact that you can be in the stands, that you can get the film later on, and the fact that the teams, too, do a great job. I thought the Carolina Panthers, the Dolphins did a great job of the, the type of practices that they were having, mm-hmm. the one-on-one stuff. You know, that's what you want out of the Senior Bowl. You want to see those compete parts. The You know, the, the, the chance when they're in the individual drills and stuff, yeah, you can see the footwork, the athletic ability. But, man, it was those competitive situations that really got you going and really helped you with your evaluation. I, yeah, Brian, I, I think there was something to that, like just the, the pace and tempo of practice. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that both of these coaching staffs, to me, appear to be like these urgent teaching coaching staffs, like trying to get guys moving, trying to see if they can adjust and adapt to the tempo. I thought that was outstanding. I thought the situations that both teams utilized, whether it's two-minute, whether it's coming out the back, those things that were kind of sprinkled in throughout the practice day gave us a chance to see players in critical situations just to see how they perform. And you may not hold those things differently, but you do want to see how guys react when it does count and when they are kind of keeping score. I did really think that Matt Rule and Brian Flores kind of stole the show, I mean, as the coaching staffs. I thought, one, Matt Rule, who, I mean, I mentioned this last week, but I knew him down in Waco, he's always had that that intense practice, even the two-a-days and, and such at, at Baylor and when he kind of brought from the college level. He has those same kind of practices uh, with the Carolina Panthers, and you saw that, of course, at the Senior Bowl this past week. But, man, I really like Brian Flores, too, Bucky, and what he brings to the table as a teaching head coach and somebody that evaluates. How much do you think these prospects gained from being down there, and how much do you think coaching staffs around the league recognize the fact that they might have gained from being with these two sides? You know, I, I'll tell you, having, having played in the Senior Bowl back in 94, a long, long time ago, I will Roger. say that it's, it's your first introduction to the way the pro game is. And there is a difference. The tempo, the intensity is a lot different than where you come from at the collegiate level. And I think Brian Flores and Matt Rule did a great job of introducing guys to the, the phrase, A, B, or pro. Be on time, play hard, know what you're supposed to do, make sure you're prepared. When you're on the field, there's a certain standard of expectation in terms of your performance. I think those things are great. And I think for those coaching staffs and personnel staffs, they have such a huge advantage over everybody else because for 115 or so players, they really got to know them. And in a draft where you don't have the combine and the the other stuff where you get to know people, they have information that others won't have, and that will, should hurt, help them when it comes time to make picks. Yeah, I think that, I think Bucky's absolutely right too. You know, when you look at the fact that they got to meet with those kids at night and talk to them about how they, you know, how are they taking in information? You know, every day they would try and install something, and so now you're able to look at that kid in the face and say. Hey man, he picked up everything, every check, every. I mean, he was taking notes. You know, very intense. Or maybe it was on the other end of it, where it's like, man, that kid had that faraway look. I don't know if he really totally understood what we were saying. So that that's a huge advantage when you get to hang around those kids. You get to meet with them. You get to eat with them. You know, even with all the COVID stuff going on, you still have an opportunity to be with them as some of the other teams were kind of on the outside as always looking in. Dave? Oh, man. I I had the – how do I want to phrase it? I, like, I, I was blown away by Matt Rule is what I'm trying to right? say. To the point where, you know, and uh, – 
you know, you think back to last year when the Cowboys were hiring their coach, and the big thing was like they wanted a super, they wanted a super experienced guy. You know, Mike McCarthy, arguably the most experienced option. And I just found myself watching these practices, and I was like, oh, maybe they, maybe they should have taken a chance on the rising star instead of the guy that's been around the block a few mm. times. Because obviously, I have no idea how good uh, Matt Rule's career is going to be, but I, I was super impressed and. You know, based on his one season so far and what I saw from him this past week and what he did in college at multiple different places, I'm just not going to be surprised if he winds up being a very, very successful head coach. Yeah, I'm going to give you guys a little insight. He was surprised he didn't get an opportunity to meet with the Cowboys. Yeah. He, yeah. he really he really wanted to meet with the Cowboys. And, you know, he's a guy that went to the Jets last year and kind of talked about how he would like to put his – program in place and he had a really good understanding of what he wanted to do the Cowboys as we've talked about here a bunch different with the general manager different with the director of player personnel it's a different environment but Matt Rule really wanted the opportunity to meet with the Dallas Cowboys and he, he just did not get that so you know good for the Carolina Panthers they, they, they got a really good football coach this guy's won at every level yep. you know you look at what he did at Temple you look at Baylor's situation was an absolute train wreck when he got there and you know to get them in bowl games and stuff like that I think is a lot of credit to him and his staff took him from one and 11 and losing to Liberty and UTSA Mm -hmm. to the Sugar Bowl in three years at Baylor I mean that's remarkable in its own Bucky yeah I think there's a lesson to be learned when we talk about head coaches and head coaching searches. I think Matt Rule gives you a clear example of how you can find someone who may not have NFL experience, but they can be successful because they have built multiple programs and they have a system in place where they know exactly what they want to do, how they want to do it, and those things. And I think what you saw from Matt Rule, he has a a confidence that he knows exactly where he is taking whatever team he's in charge of. And because he's kind of had a tried and true formula that's been time tested and it's worked at different locations, I think that emboldens him. And that's why he was so, I won't say arrogant, but that's why he walked away from the Jets. Like, no, if I can't do it the way that I want it, Mm -hmm. I'm good. I'll wait for a situation where I can do it the way that I know needs to be done because I've been successful doing it that way. I think it's important. Yeah, I think he, he's going to have a lot of success. And unfortunately, like some people in the chat have joked already, uh, I'm watching the Periscope stream, and, and they joked, well, we can't draft a coach. That's unfortunate uh, whenever it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. And, and uh, I mean, hey, nothing against Mike McCarthy. I like Matt Rule a lot. But uh, Mike McCarthy's got to make some picks coming up uh, in the next couple of months from the Senior Bowl. So winners and losers from the Senior Bowl. And I, I hate even saying the word losers because I feel like it's really hard to climb. Yeah. whenever you go and, and you show out and you compete at the Senior Bowl. But, Dave, you, you talked about sitting down and getting everything you got from Mobile like you have in the past. But it, were there anybody that stuck out as a winner this week and somebody that really, really raised their draft stock more so than you thought they would going into it? I don't know about more so than I thought they would, but, like, I love it. I love it when a plan comes together because we sat down on Tuesday morning and, you know, Bucky was unavailable, so Jeff Cavanaugh joined our show. And uh, Jeff was like, you better watch this uh, Central Florida safety, Richie Grant. Yep. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm absolutely. So, like, that day I sat down with his UCF tape, watched that for about an hour and a half. I was like, this guy kicks ass. I like <laughs> him a lot. Then I start watching Senior Bowl practice, and he's kicking ass at the Senior Bowl as well. Like, yep. picking picking guys off, batting down passes. Um, you know, watched him on tape. They use him a variety of different ways. He can cover. He's not afraid to tackle. Uh, he's a good blitzer. And, and he tr- he took all of that to Mobile, and it certainly seemed to translate because he was definitely one of the, the, the guys that was getting talked about all week long. And, uh, you know, I, I was very vaguely familiar with him when last week started, and now he's like one of my favorite guys you know, defensive backs in this class. So I would say he had a hell of a week. Yeah, welcome to the party, David. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Nice to have you here. Hey, right. as long as I'm here, as long as I'm yeah. here, you doesn't made, matter you made when the you journey. That's, that's all that matters as long yeah. as you make the journey. Yeah. 
I, yo, Kyle, if I could stick in the defensive back area too, sure. I, I think I didn't know a whole heck of a lot about uh, Keith Taylor from Washington, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know, and and again, when you start to watch the Washington players. You know, Elijah Molden is a guy that we, we kind of talk about there and stuff. But Keith Taylor, I think, really helped himself. Measuring in at 6'2", 188 pounds. Yep. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about a guy that's got the length. He's got the reach. He was very competitive in the drills. I remember watching a couple of times where him and Des Fitzpatrick were going at it pretty good in the one-on-one stuff. And so, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you really, really need. You know, when you, when you want to evaluate how's the guy, is he around the ball? Is is he knocking balls down? Is he making plays? Is he sticking coverage? Is he a long, rangy type of a build? I mean, as Bucky would say, he checks off a lot of the boxes for you. So that's one of those guys you have to go out there and study right now. The Cowboys are going to be hunting corners. They're going to be hunting safeties. You know, they're going to be hunting defensive players. Start with the guys, as you know, from what I'm learning a lot about what uh, what you're going to get from this uh, from their defensive coordinator now is that you're, you want these players, they look for long-rangey guys is what they're talking and guys that can run. They're really worried about the deep part of the field and having to carry that. So you got to be able to run, but you got to have some length to you to be able to knock down those passes and get your hands on the balls. Keith Taylor, I thought, had a really good week for the, from the University of Washington. Man, it's funny because you guys have hit two of the guys that really stood out to me mm-hmm. in the secondary. Obviously, when we're looking at it from the Cowboys' standpoint, all eyes are on the secondary and then up front. And so last thing about Keith Taylor, 6'2", six, six, 185, he's from Southern California. You know, the only thing that I think those people who were upset about the Byron Jones situation might find issue with Keith Taylor because he played – three, four seasons, and he doesn't have one career interception. Yeah. So depending upon where their ball skills are valued over length, that could be something. So now it's about, you know, we can't even really have the private workout. So at the pro day, can he catch the ball? How does he play the ball in the air? Like that is the uncertainty that you can't check off in the box. Richie Grant was fantastic. Mm-hmm. His ability not only to kind of play from the deep middle, but he can play man-to-man in one-on-ones. He was locking people up and even bounced outside to corner. I think the other guy that stood out from Central Florida, Robert Rochelle, for a little bit the first couple of days, um, when you dig in his background, the 10-8 time in Louisiana, third in the 100 meters to go with the athleticism and the twitch. I think if you're looking for these corners in this new system, you have to look for an athlete because I think that athleticism is going to be a big part of what they want to do on the perimeter. Rochelle yeah, was Kyle, in- if I can mention one more guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say Rochelle was another uh, yeah, guy that Jeff Rochelle. Yeah, talked finish up, about finish up, Yeah. Yeah, sure did. I mean, Central Florida did a nice job, you know, with their Josh Heupel now going to Tennessee. I mean, he's been able to build a nice program there at Central Florida. It'll be interesting to see if he can kind of fix things in Tennessee now. Another kid I want to point out, too, on the defensive side of the ball, and this is one of my favorite schools, and, and David Hellman's father went to school here at Tulane, but Cameron Sample. Oh, yeah. Cameron Sample from Tulane. Now, this is a kid that's 6'3", 274 pounds. Where are you going to play him? Are you going to play him at in? Could you play him inside? He's kind of got that that body that can lend you to do a little bit mm-hmm. uh, more. But I thought he was a guy, as you watch the drills and stuff like that, the way he was able to capture the edge, the way he was able to put pressure on blockers, Keep an eye on Cameron Sample going forward here as a guy that probably could rise up the board. Again, he's got a good-looking body there. He can get the corner. He can attack. And he's from, one of my, I think, one of my favorite schools. I hope my son ends up there at Tulane. Ooh, okay. Oh, How about that? A little you. Brian Broaddus insight right it's there. It's a personal thing, yeah. yeah it's a, a personal thing here. I, no, I've watched this kid play a bunch this year. Again, I, mm-hmm. I lo- I'm, I'm loving Tulane football all of a sudden. I love what Willie Fritz and those guys are doing down there. I think they're getting better players. And again, uh, Sample was one of those kids. He got the invite. Mm-hmm. I think he had. A, I think he had a great week. I really. He really uh, he is that like perfect tweener with that body, and that's what I thought all week long when I was watching him. And then I've got a really close friend, Brian, so I've got a kind of personal connection there too. That does a lot of their play-by-play broadcasting for Tulane. He's like an right. alum and does a lot of their play-by-play. And I asked him about Cameron Sample prior to the week. And the only two words he sent me back were badass. I mean, that's what he said. He loves them. Yeah. Talks about the tape. Talks about the way that he's stronger than what his 274 pounds looks at. 
and, and really that you could see that on the Senior Bowl tape. And, and Bucky, I know you were talking uh, a little bit ago about these defensive backs. I, I was really impressed with the defensive backs just based off of the fact that it was such a strong wide receiver group. And I thought the wide receivers would dominate, and that was definitely not the case. I mean, y'all mentioned Richie Grant and Keith Taylor. Keith Taylor, I thought, had a really slow start to the week, and then he had one of the best finishes to mm-hmm. the week out of anybody in the the entire group of prospects down in Mobile. So uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I was really impressed with what the defensive back showed out against a really good wide receiver group. Can, yeah, can I, I, oh, sorry. Can I, I want to, Bucky. When you get done, I want to ask you a question about a player in particular. I want. I'm going to get your. No, like it, no, no. It's funny you talk about the defensive backs. I do believe there were some guys that didn't play in the game that kind of held themselves early in the week mm-hmm. on the defensive front. Levi Onzerike. Yep. Just yeah, that one, Washington. that Tuesday. Yeah, the, the Tuesday. His hand skills. Like I remember writing in my notes, like man, he's Mr. Miyagi. Like the way that he uses yeah. his hands, wax on, wax off. He does a great job. And Boogie Basham. From Wake Forest, yeah, Boogie, Boogie Basham's athleticism and stuff. I remember writing up a report on him last year because I thought he was going to come out early and really liking him. But watching him and his explosiveness and twitch in a class that man, there's a lot of just uncertainty at defensive tackle, defensive end. Can this guy kick inside? All this other stuff. I just think those names are going to get hotter as we get closer to the draft. Yeah, he's kind of funny to watch that Wake Forest tape. He's got that single number, that number nine. So you're kind of like, you know, he's – but he is the you hate a good-looking kid physically. I mean, really good-looking kid. Hey, Bucky, if I could go back to you. The kid that kind of caught my eye was the Michael Carter kid from North Carolina. The, oh, yeah. The, okay, where where do you see him? I, you know, where I mean, a lot of people really like him, but where do you kind of see him in the, in the, in the mix of things? Because I know people are bashing – Running backs now, you don't want to take them high. Is this one of those kids that's going to fit into the mix? Because I liked what I saw with the power with this kid running the football. You know, it's funny, Brian, uh, and watching North Carolina, Javante Williams is the dude. Like, okay. Javante Williams is the one. Michael Carter would start. Javante Williams would come in. Javante Williams finished the year with maybe 22, 23 touchdowns. Has more explosiveness in those things. I thought it was actually good for Michael Carter to be away from North Carolina to get to the Senior Bowl and be able to have the stage to himself because he is a lot better than even I give him credit for. His balance and shiftiness inside is terrific, but then his natural ability to catch the ball on the edge, I think he's someone where the sweet spot for running backs, in my mind, day two, second, third round. I think he's in that mix. I think he has the ability to potentially be an every-down guy because in pass protection, he was not afraid to stick his nose in the fan. And that is, it's hard to find guys that can get that part of the game. I think he's more than just a change of pace prospect. I love that saying, Bucky, but every time you say stick your nose in the fan, it makes me, like, just imagine getting my nose hit by a fan, and I don't want that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one of those guys. You, you would have to take that saying off of my, my film evaluation, unfortunately. But uh, when we come back, we've got some crazy Twitter on the 20, just by the way. We've got, we're getting wild on Twitter on the 20 today. Could the Cowboys somehow come out with three first-round picks? We're going to talk about with some of the craziest draft scenarios you've ever been asked in, and also a vertical threat at wide receiver. Which one's the best, or where is the best place to get a vertical threat at wide receiver? And then in the third segment, we'll talk about who had their draft stock maybe stay stagnant or drop even a little bit from their time in Mobile. We've got plenty to come here on the other side of the break. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. There's nothing as unique as our eyes which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. 
Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys, and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Second segment here of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. And, of course... Two days a week now throughout the offseason. We've got Bucky Brooks. We've got David Hellman, Brian Broaddus. And then on Thursday, we've got Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, and Kevin KT Turner leading the way. But, well, we've got time now for some Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. There it is from Chris Beam in the back, as always. And we do have some crazy scenarios to talk about on Twitter on the 20. Friends of the show chiming in. Lots of great questions again, as always. I mean, really throughout the the entirety of the draft show. This is episode 15 already of the draft show. Maybe it's, I think it's 7 for you guys, or 8 for you guys, but it's 15 for me, which is crazy to think about. Um, So, Mark Bristow, he says, friend of the show, Mark Bristow, worked the draft trade chart and came out with three first-rounders and a third-rounder. So he was trying to do some work to get the Cowboys back up a little bit further in the draft board. Now, I know that's completely unrealistic, and so does everybody think that here, but is something like that more preferable than the 10 picks they have scattered throughout the NFL draft with the comp picks that they have to work with when you talk about the Dallas Cowboys' David Hellman? I'm not 100% sure I'm following what you're asking so, me. Like, are we, what are we, we're talking about trading up or trading away from the 10th pick? So he wants to keep the 10th pick and then take the 10 picks that we have collectively and somehow work away to three first rounders and a third rounder. Does that make sense? Oh, so that's, so that's all you have is those four picks? Yes. Instead of the 10. What are we? I mean, there's no way those other like eight or nine picks are going to be enough to get you two more first round picks. I mean, what are we giving up that gets you that? Yeah, I, I don't really know what trade chart he's looking at future. here. <laughs> I think it yeah, would have to right. be it would have to be future ones. I mean, to get to have three first round picks, you got to be talking about giving up future ones or mm-hmm. players, maybe. Um, in general, I'm the first to say like. As far as, like, I I really only truly care about first through fourth round picks. Like, top 120, uh, those are the picks that matter. Those are the picks that really, you know, build your roster. Everything else is kind of a crapshoot. So if you can get me more valuable picks, I'm down to get rid of some of those lesser ones. The problem is the lesser ones aren't worth that much. So if you want to trade a few of them and maybe get me an extra third or... I don't know, maybe an extra second. I'm all for it, but yeah, I mean, three first-round picks, you got to give up way more than just your other nine sure. to do that. I don't think that's very realistic. Yeah, I think that if you know, if you really want to go up in this draft, I mean, all you really have to do is give up if you want to go to the five spot. Now, Cincinnati historically is a different team to trade with because when you call Duke Tobin and those guys on the phone, they, they say, hey, nice to hear from you, Brian. Okay, thanks for calling. And then you never hear from them again, you know, three days of the draft. Everybody else you talk to multiple times. Cincinnati is one of those teams at five. If you were interested in going that high, that would only cost you like 44, That the, the you know, your second round pick. So, you know, you're thinking about a 400-point difference right there. 
those are the kinds of trades I would think about maybe trying to go up in the first round uh, if you're interested. I mean, you might be in a situation where we need to see what happens with the quarterback. I know it's a broken record. You know, really March 9th to me is kind of a drop-dead date for the Cowboys. If we mm-hmm. go back on this tag, the last day that you can tag a player is on March 10th. If they don't have a contract done by March 9th, I am seriously thinking about evaluating quarterbacks. I really am. I, I, I don't know if I can I could go another year and just say, okay, fine, we'll you know, we'll play on the tag again and then, you know, and try and do this all over again. I, I don't know how you can do business that way. But, you know, the Cowboys might think that's necessary to do. But if you're gonna go up, you need to go up and to get in the top five if you want to, to potentially get one of these quarterbacks. Can I hijack this for one sec, Kyle? Of course. I want to hijack this. Yes. T- I, I mean, so, I don't know if that's the right term, but that's fine. We all saw we all saw what happened with the Rams and the Lions trading Matt Stafford for Jared Goff, and it got me thinking. It got me thinking about some hypotheticals, Bucky, or and Brian, both of you, <laughs> Kyle too. Sweet. If Miami, if Miami offered you the third overall pick, the eighty overall pick and Tua for Dak would you do it I would yeah if we get to March 9th and we don't have him signed uh, yeah sure I, I, I'd absolutely think about it I mean I, I'll tell you what to be honest with you though I mean the the Rams took the Rams gave up multiple ones or gave up a one just so the Lions would take a bad contract yep. that's why they gave up you know less Snead and those guys mm-hmm. I mean Less, less does it. Less trust his pro evaluations of established players more than he does drafting players. Even though he drafted Aaron Donald, you know he that that was that was one of the best picks ever made. But less trusts his pro evaluations of established players more than he does his the players they can draft. But they had to kick that one so that Detroit would take that bad contract mm-hmm. of golf. So. I, you're not in a situation where you have to do that if you're anybody else. But, yeah, you give me an opportunity. I don't have my quarterback signed. You give me three. You give me 18. You trade me Tua. Now, we need to know what the Cowboys think about Tua's medical condition. You know, maybe they sure. didn't like the hip. You know, I mean, we, we need to ask if that would be the case. But, yeah, I, with, the third, with the third pick, you could absolutely draft a quarterback if you wanted to. You could, you could draft any defensive player you wanted to. You could take any offensive lineman you wanted to. Bucky's I, smiling. Bucky's cheesing right now. Like I, I, I don't know. Like, and and I know it's weird because I come from the college scouting thing, and I should be in love with picks. Man, give me players over picks all day. I, I kind of like to know what I have, what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. And I oh, think, with, okay, thanks, yeah. Les Snead. Thanks for playing, think, me, Les. I think, I think, I think if I'm if I'm Les Snead and those guys, I understand the fascination. I'm not saying that maybe Matthew Stafford is that guy. We'll see, but I do understand. It has worked for them when they've made these when they've made these. They don't trades. like drafting, Bucky. They don't mm-hmm. like draft. They don't hey, like hey, picking hey. players. Well, look, if, if we talk about it being a 50-50 coin flip in terms of a first-round pick turning into like not only a legitimate starter but a star player, sure. if I can get one that I know Jalen Ramsey's going to be a shutdown corner, I bring no him question. in, we put him in the yeah. system, he yeah, plays like right. that. You're right. I'm good. If I can even snatch like. If I can snatch Brandon Cooks and he can give me the deep threat ability and we end up in the Super Bowl because he averaged 15 yards a catch, I'm okay with that. I think what they've been able to do is they've hit on those mid-round guys, but part of the reason why those mid-round guys hit is because the stars are so overwhelming. And so yeah. they're not put in roles that put them out of their comfort zone. And so, I don't know. Like, I think it's great that we well, like what's hey, behind door number one, two, and three. But yeah, I, don't know. They, I like, yeah, I like I, players. You, you've said that before, and, and I and I don't disagree with you. The thing about this is, though, you're you're in a little bit of a salary cap league, and where all of a sudden, you know, they've had to eat some dead money on a running back. Yep. They're eating dead money on a quarterback now. Eventually, you wonder, you know, Les Snead has taken the attitude of, if I just get rid of all these picks and it doesn't work and I get fired, this is somebody else's problem. It's not my problem anymore. Yeah. You know, this is Bucky Brooks coming in and running a Come team now. Bucky, Bucky will be sitting there like, oh, wow, I'm running a team now with no picks. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to get fired in three yeah. years now. Yeah, let's you get know? these players. Look at what yeah, the Texans are dealing with yeah. at this very <laughs> moment. Yeah, let, let's just – I mean, let's I talked to players. Les. I talked to Les when, they, when he was working with Jeff Fisher. I talked to Les. I go, hey, man, how you holding up? He's like – 
man, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> I'm like, what? What do, you, what do you mean? He goes, oh, you know, he goes, hey, Gruden's going to come in here. He's going to blow us all out. Oh, I'm wow. like, huh? Okay. He goes from getting blown out to getting like a five-year contract. See, but you know what? That urgency, Brian, that urgency has enabled him to keep his job because oh, he's operating. Yeah. Look, I've, never seen a guy, I've never seen so a guy more scared. Five years. I've never seen a guy more scared to taking first-round picks than him. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, yeah, that, well, that, that tackle he took from Auburn back in the day, that kid third overall, whatever, might have just scared him so bad that he can't. Oh, Greg doesn't want it. Yeah, yeah. Like, Robertson, he might like, oh, I don't want to draft anymore. See? Yeah. See, how that's about the third quarterback? Pick. How about the quarterback that he just begged the Lions to take off his hands too? The number yep. one overall pick. Uh, yeah. Now I will say this. Though. I love I Les. This. I do I love say Les. This. Don't get me wrong. I they love have Les. they have dumped on Jerry Goff like in a major major way, oh, right? Yeah. And I will say that Sean McVay has a lot of John Gruden to him, mm-hmm. where yeah. they fall in and out of love really really quickly. Yep. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, people have caught up to the scheme. And I just wonder, when he looks around, he's like, hey, man, the X's and O's aren't popping like they used to. i got to swap out people. But at some point, you're going to look at the coach and be like, well, well maybe, it's, maybe it's not the people. Maybe it's the coach. Yeah. And then, again, you want to go coach there again when you have no first-round picks? I mean, hey, okay, fine. That's great. But like I said, hey, this, this, this whole thing with the Cowboys – Seriously, I, I, I would look, if you're a Cowboy fan and you're listening to this show, mm-hmm. March 9th is a day you need to circle on your calendar. Brian, really. I, I'm, Seriously. I'm right there with you because, I mean, I have a sticky note on my laptop for everybody watching. I don't know if you can watch this. You're not going to be able to see it. i got a sticky note of the dates. <laughs> Hold it to your left, yeah, Kyle. Yeah, well, yeah. it's it's you can't see it right now, but everybody at home can. But yeah. the, I've oh, got a date, now. Okay. And, and all of it's the all of the off-season dates all the way down to the NFL draft, and the only one I have in a box. It's the franchise and transition tag period deadline because I think that's the most important date in the DAC contract era. And, and Dave, you asked this uh, this question earlier, and I'm going to look like a little <laughs> bit of a hypocrite here because I sat on Talking Cowboys yesterday morning and said it's so hard to find a, a, a franchise quarterback that there, you'd have to put together a pretty sweet package in order to do so. And we were talking about Deshaun Watson in the case. But if you told me that I had the third overall pick, the 10th overall pick, the 18th overall pick, and Tua Tungavailoa, I think I would do it. Because, that I mean, you're giving me Pene Sewell, Patrick Sertan, Christian Barmore, and a young quarterback on a rookie deal that I could go and try and find some other pieces oh. to go around. Oh, my gosh, I would be all for that. But I'm also, I mean, I'm a draft I... nut at the same time. I think you have to still consider drafting a quarterback with that third overall pick. If that even were with to Tua, just that's just yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I I mean, it's early, but I wasn't blown away by what I saw from Tua over the second half of last season. Sure, but I'm with you though. I'm I'm the king of the keep Dak bandwagon. Yep. I want Dak on this team. I agree, but. You're falling off the bandwagon. No, that's just a hell. Uh, hey, it's very Brian, intriguing, Brian. You're. Oh man. Brian, you are the king of like investigate and educate. You gotta consider all <laughs> angles. <laughs> and if you're telling me that's the package, if you're giving me two first round picks and a young quarterback on a rookie deal, mm. that's really hard hey, to turn I, down. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just um, saying. If you're a Cowboy fan, yeah, you 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 probably don't want Dak to be traded. You want doom, Dak to be signed. Doom and gloom. Yeah, no, alone. you do. You do want him to get signed, but they they have messed this thing up for two years. Well, yeah, well now now it's so messed up that what's going to happen is like when you sign him, you can sign him to a major deal that is like I don't know, almost a hundred percent more than what could have got him done three years ago if you had just been proactive. And when you can't add pieces around them, everyone's going to blame the quarterback. And so just because I mean I can't really understand why it went like. The other guys get their money before the quarterback because most yeah. don't operate like that. But now you're in a situation. I do wonder, given what we know about teams playing with quarter, quarterbacks on rookie deals, who is going to be the bold general manager that treats the NFL game like college where you recruit oh. those guys? You're, you're, on their, you're on their station right now. Yeah, because like, this general manager doesn't have to worry about paying for his lake house. The rest of us that, that were doing this and you're like, man, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job if I make this move. A team that has a general manager that's not going to get fired, New England, Dallas, hey. East Bl- they're, gonna, they're, going to, they're going to be the first team to say, no, 
We're not going to pay somebody $40 million. Because, We're just going to keep turning this thing over. Because, because Brian, depending on who your coach, like, just think about it. Like, yeah. It's almost like the way, when I was in Carolina, the way we treated running backs. Yeah. Draft one high, ride them to the wheels fall off. Yeah. In year four... Draft another one because right. year five we're letting the guy go. Yeah, right. With quarterbacks, if you have a quarterback friendly system, like say the Shanahan system that makes everybody right. look like a really good quarterback, if you're just plugging and playing and then I'm guaranteed to get all the stars around him, right. like I'm waiting for someone to say, like, hey, I'll do I'll hey. I'll I'll take this different approach. Yeah, this is why when we keep talking about drafting offensive linemen for the Cowboys, everybody goes, Oh, they need defensive help. I'm thinking Nah, because you might have a new quarterback. You know, you might have to, you know, you've got all these weapons at receivers. You got two quality tight ends, it looked like. But man, Mm -hmm. your offensive line, that might be the lifeblood to keep things going, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, you need defensive help, but if defensive help is not as good as the offensive line that you're going to look at right now, I don't don't know. But Dallas could be the first team. Yeah. If if, if, the, ahead, sorry, if no. the Cowboys offensive line was healthy this year, I think they have three more wins. I really do. I think they have three more wins uh, in, yeah. in the middle of that. If the Cowboys uh, have it, and they, then you're a division well, champion. If, if if Dak doesn't get hurt, well, the, yeah, okay, that's fair. Hurt, yeah. I didn't even throw Dak's injury in there, but I'm saying, I mean, like yeah, healthy even, offensive even, line even is, is important. It. Yeah, healthy offensive yeah. line would have given them an opportunity yeah. to really win more games. Sure. Yeah, even with the Dak injury. I, I could talk about this all day. I really could. I think this is a fantastic conversation. I, I'm learning just from listening to you guys. And then plus, I mean, as somebody who's heavily invested in the Cowboys, even as a fan growing up, I mean, this is this is conversations you don't necessarily want to hear, but you have to have these conversations in an NFL front office. You have to have that mentality of looking at your options and I making never, sure and look around. I never, I never thought I would hear David Hillman punt on Dak Prescott. Like, I... <laughs> Look, hey, man, I, hey, now, now I know hey. Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny don't exist. Oh, listen, I, 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 I no longer do, need to put kids. my teeth under the pillow because the tooth fairy doesn't. Dave Elman is punting on deck press. Kyle, no. Believe it. Kyle is absolutely right. <laughs> Just oh. like you, you have to you have to have every conversation. You have to consider every angle. You got to. If not, I love you're to not drag doing your you guys job. in the muck. My my favorite thing about the draft show is dragging you guys in the muck with me. I have nobody to blame for this but myself. Yeah, I've you're the one that hijacked the this. Bucky, Bucky's trying to be strong. Yeah, Bucky's trying to be strong. Dave, you folded like a napkin. <laughs> That's Brian. You're such you're such a liar, bro. You're such a liar. You're the. You're the trade king. You want to trade Dave, everybody. Dave is going to get off this broadcast. He's going to go, God, what did I do? He's going to start, start the eyebrow. Yeah, don't get emotionally attached to him. Oh, nah. man. Brian, yeah. nah. I love how like Brian's even the one that was like, yeah, after a certain date, let's do it. Let's figure this thing out. But then, if, then he just, he just antagonizes Brian David has tried, the whole time. Brian has tried to trade... Yeah, Brian's <laughs> tried to trade every good player on this team at some Uh-oh. point in the last like five years. I mean, do you blame you him? Get him signed. I don't blame him. <laughs> you got to get him hey, signed. Just, just numbers, just numbers on jerseys, Dave. That's right? <laughs> don't don't buy the jersey with the name on the back. Yeah. Don't buy the name plate. Oh, okay. Penn State, hold right. it to Penn State jersey. No name on the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, I, I do want to ask one more question because we've only asked one question on Twitter on the twenty, but that was so fun. <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, Sorry about that's that. so. Fun. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, David Leach and Jay, I'm going to actually combine their questions here. They both asked about a vertical threat at wide receiver, saying that the Cowboys could definitely use one. Maybe a Tyreek Hill type of player, not Tyreek Hill comp or anything, but somebody that's kind of a later pick in the draft that could turn out to be a burner at wide receiver. Anybody stick out to you, Bucky, in terms of some of those burners at wide receiver and somebody that the Cowboys might potentially be interested in putting in this offense? You know, it's hard because they have so much firepower already. But here's what I would say, and I don't want to hijack the conversation, but I do have a strong belief coming from the Green Bay. I don't know if you ever need to really go heavy at wide receiver. Like, there's so many guys that you find in later rounds. Tyreek Hill was a fifth-round pick. Some of that was due to character concerns. I think it's just a matter of scouting your room. Do you have a great teacher at wide receiver, at the wide receiver coach position? And can they develop because – I think those burners, those guys that stretch the field, I don't know if you really need to invest significant money in that position or significant draft capital in there. Sorry. Bucky? Yeah, I, I mean, you know Brian? what? I, I'm, I'm with 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, you know, Bucky, you know, he, he and I grew up in the same system. Mm. And, you know, the thing with the wide receivers, I'm really happy they got C.D. Lamb. I think they're going to, I don't think they're going to be able to keep Michael Gallup. He's probably going to have to, you know, you're probably going to move on. Maybe he's a guy that, you know, if you, if you feel like that you are going to pick a wide receiver, you have one in mind that you want to take, maybe, you, maybe take that opportunity to get something for Michael Gallup if you can right now and then draft his replacement. I, without really knowing, Times, but you know, if you look at some of these receivers and the kid that kind of stood out was at the Senior Bowl was the Amari Rogers kid from Clemson. Clemson. Yeah, and yeah, you know, son. and and I was thinking like, okay, what is he? Is he a five nine? I mean, he is a good. I mean, he's a shorter guy, but he's thick. And I'm kind of watching him, but I watch Clemson tape, and I'm watching him make plays down the field. I'm watching him make plays underneath. I'm watching him do, you know, all these things. Sure, you can you can go out and. You know, and, and maybe even if you're talking about, I, I don't know, is he a second round guy? Is he a third round guy? You know, I'm trying to it, later in the draft. I mean, yeah, that's that's a crapshoot. You know, when you start talking about those, maybe you're just drafting traits. I haven't seen anybody got to the point where it's been late enough where I say, oh wow, this kid really runs well, but he's inconsistent. I, I again, the, the guy that kind of caught my eye. Was uh, was was Rogers at the Senior Bowl? But mm-hmm. watching Rogers on Clemson tape this year, I thought he had a pretty uh, a pretty good campaign. Might go a little bit earlier than what uh, we're talking about right now for what we're looking for. I would just, um, I mean, if you're, I mean, since we're talking about the Senior Bowl, you got to mention Dwayne Eskridge. Yep. He was another. I mean, you yeah. talk about guys that raised their mm-hmm. stock. Uh, the Western Michigan wideout, um, polished, just beat up on a lot of guys last week. Seems like a really great route runner. Um, I don't know if he's like Tyreek Hill fast, but how many people really are? Um, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about short guys that are really fast, uh, Rondell Moore comes to mind yeah. as well. Um, yeah, Tony from Florida too's another Kadarius Kadarius Tony. Tony. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. those those guys definitely exist. I mean, I'm always down to take a flyer on a guy. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to spend a huge resource on a receiver this year. Unless you're telling me we're trading Michael Gallup, um, but yeah, I mean, if you could get one of those guys in the fourth round or later on, that's fine with me. Can I get you guys you to get on the Demetric Felton? Go for it, Bucky. Demetric Felton from UCLA has yeah. some interest. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, he's like the, I mean, he's a running back. He's, wide a receiver. Mm-hmm. he's gonna yeah. play. They're gonna play wide receiver, right? Yeah, but I think like if you're talking about Dallas in specific, Mike McCarthy, he has that Randall Cobb. Type yeah. stuff to him, oh. and so if you're thinking about that, I don't know. Yeah, like in terms of vertical threat, it's hard because like this this draft is different because you have a bunch of guys that can play, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Like Tutu Atwell from Louisville can take the top off it, but he's yep. little, and I just don't know what are the considerations when it comes to thin receivers because I'm not really a big fan of the the skinny dudes on the outside. That's that's hard for me. I think that's kind of what the question's asking is they kind of want those smaller burner type of receivers that you could get late in in the draft. And like Dave said, I don't think the Cowboys are going to spend any kind of valuable draft capital on a wide receiver this year. That's why I want well, all all of us to get on the the uh, the Jalen Darden bandwagon. If I mean, please come aboard. Uh, for the Jalen Darden to Dallas bandwagon. I'm going to tweet that probably every day for the rest of the draft process, but I want that to happen so badly, Brian. Well, it's funny. It's funny. All those all those shorter wide receivers we're talking about are kind of lumped together, though, as far as ability goes. Like I say, the mm-hmm. Purdue kid, the Florida kid, you know, Clemson, they're all kind of in the same realm, I mean, with the with ability and stuff like that, and they're all short. So, you know, we'll – you know, how does that all get sorted out by the clubs uh, as we go forward? It is going to be yeah, interesting. No, no. What was that, Bucky? It's harder with the shorter guys. I, I know it's harder with the shorter guys, and I know I missed you guys' Devontae Smith conversation because I'm fascinated about where he gets picked because it kind of goes against everything that I've learned along the way. Oh, you don't like that? You, you talked about that. You don't like that 170-pound body, huh? Uh, not in the top ten where he's been talked mm, about. No, scares you. Yeah, hey, I don't like that. Not I mean, going unless, at three to Miami. I mean, unless you want Tate. Yeah, go get well, him less. I don't think he's. Go I get him less. I don't think he's. I don't think he's fast like that either. Though. Like I don't think he's. I don't think he's four three ish. Do you think? You whatever. think he runs like four five, four five two, four five one? I think. Yeah, I think he's four yeah. five two ish. Yeah. If he runs, he may you run. Like, you like Waddle. You like Waddle better, <laughs> don't you? More burst. 
I don't. Th- I think a lot of people are going to feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Like once More people juice. start, once people start weighing in, and everybody's focused so on well the drugs. <laughs> hey, hey! I just remember I was influenced by a, hey, a, a, a Brian Rodgers. Yeah, like <laughs> remember how me. bad. Remember how bad Tom Brady's combine picture looked. Just think about it's that. True. Think about how, yeah. how narrow and thin he looked. Tom Brady and, didn't play boy, wide receiver you know, boys, though. Smith yeah. is going to look the same. He's going to look the exact same. <laughs> Brian, like, we haven't seen many guys like that that have come into oh, the no. league and dominated. And those who have. Well, Marvin have been Harrison. Really, really Marvin Harrison. Marvin yeah. Harrison but was built like that. How many that. drafts have we had? And that's the only name we can bring up, though. <laughs> I brought up a Hall of Famer, man. What else <laughs> like, you want yeah, me to yeah, do? One. One. We've had I brought up a Hall of Famer. Like, like, the league merged in, what, 67, 68? And we got one guy that we talk about. Marvin I mean, Harrison. Yeah, like and, and, and I would say Bucky, Deshaun, Bucky, Deshaun feel Jackson. free, feel free when all the media you're doing and someone goes, Well, who does Smith remind you of? And you'll go, you know, guys, nah, Marvin, Harrison. Marvin Harrison. I mean, like they, <laughs> I guess, but like not really, he's a strider. I don't really know who he compares to. He's I not know. Deshaun Jackson because he's not fast like Deshaun was. Yeah, no, Jackson out of town. can Jackson can fly. Yeah. yeah. I know this is dangerous and we always tell people not to do it. Like, you know, where you went to school. Then why are you doing it? Because because I feel very confident betting on an Alabama stud receiver. That's what I that's why. Mm. Because you, they they just you, crank you, out badass scouting, after badass. You, scouting, you hear that, scouting, Bucky? You, you scouting hear that? the helmet. You hear you that? Scouting the helmet. Okay, but scouting the helmet. To a degree that's true, but if you are good enough to be the top dog at that school with who they practice against, who they recruit, and who they play. I'm comfortable betting that you're going to be pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I think I may take a – what, what do you all eat down there? Whataburger? I think I may take a Whataburger bet on that. Ooh. Depending on all what right. we're talking about. With, with Dave, he's going to try and push – Dave, he's going to try pushing in and out on you. Don't do it. Oh, my God. You guys just don't. I don't eat trash. You, you so don't have that's... the palate. You don't have the palate for such a delicacy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, your palate is different because you've been oh, down there. Oh, give me a break. Get out of here, get get out of here West Coast. Get out of here, West Coast. Fuck, he puts it on lettuce. Fuck, he puts it on lettuce. He doesn't even do it on a bun. No, it's in a boat. It's one of the paper boats. Goodness, Bucky. Overrated food of all time. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we're going to take a break on that note. Whataburger, our presenting sponsor for a lot of things around the star. We're sorry that this came out on our show, but we are are Whataburger through and through, no doubt about it. But uh, when we come back... Some guys who saw their uh, saw their draft stock uh, drop a little bit, and man, Bucky, I might have to send you some Miller Lite too, because if you talk about California beer, it's not going to work <laughs> the same way. It's not going to work. But we're going to be right back on the other side of the break for the draft show. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection. And Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way. Where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. 
May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Back here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show presented by Miller Lite as always. And, well, we're going into the final segment here, and we've got a lot to talk about of the draft, but I just really quickly want to talk about my excitement and the fact that the NCAA football video games are coming back from EA Sports. I am pumped about that. Talk about college football and NFL draft. I love Madden and all of that stuff. And so if you're an NFL or NCAA fan, uh, and, and a gamer at the same time. This is a day to be rejoicing. But really quickly, guys, I mean, we've got about five minutes before we're over time. I know we're going to go over. Sorry, Chris. Uh, but, Brian, any guys that stuck out at the Senior Bowl that did not necessarily help their draft stock just from their performance down, at the, uh, down in Mobile? Yeah, you know, I'm really looking forward to uh, getting the tape, but – you know, if you watch some of the one-on-one stuff, you know, from the practices and stuff, I was really interested because last week I talked about Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, and I was I was kind of thinking like, could he elevate himself to where he would be in that conversation with those those tough guys, those uh, those top guys, and. You know, if you watch the practices, there were some some losses at one on one, and that's not Alex Leatherwood's game. I mean, he is a guy that generally has a nice set, keeps his head out of his block. You know, doesn't get overextended, can get to the outside, can show some range and stuff like that. But I, I was a little worried about him and some of the things I saw. I didn't feel like he anchored down like he did on Alabama tape. Again, this is one-on-one stuff. Need to watch the tape of the game to kind of get a little bit better picture. But I, I was hopeful. I was thinking, man, he is going to go and just blow this thing out of the park. He's going to be right up there with all those other guys that we're talking about. And I think it was a little bit of a a little bit of an eye opener for some scouts watching him practice. We'll see how the game tape looked. Yeah, you talk about Leatherwood. I, I would go the quarterback position outside of Mac Jones. Everyone was kind of up and down. I think Kellen Mond uh, was probably the best of the crew outside of Mac Jones because he won MVP. But Jamie Newman was one that I yeah. felt like really hurt himself. Didn't play this year after transferring to Georgia. There was a lot of excitement and intrigue about him when he was playing at Wake Forest because he was a dual threat. He had size. He displayed the athleticism. But then when you watched him at the Senior Bowl, maybe he was rusty because he had a year off. A lot of interceptions and just didn't have the timing that you want to see from the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it. I don't. I mean, I don't know if it's going to affect his draft stock, but. I was bummed for Mac Jones that he had the ankle problem that yeah. kept him from doing as much. Just be, I mean, you're talking probably a first-round pick anyway, but if you come out and light the world on fire, then you really set yourself up to, to potentially go in the top half of the first round. So, like I said, with the season that he had, I don't think having a limited senior bowl is going to stop that from happening. But if he had gone out and really had a great week, then, you know, he would have been the talk of of the draft cycle for at least a couple of weeks. Does anybody have him over Trey Lance? Do you think? No, I don't think so. I would probably need to watch Trey Lance a little bit more to have a great answer to that. But Buck, Bucky, you feel that way? Maybe that maybe some people might have Mac Jones over him. Over I don't Trey know. Lance? I think I think what Mac Jones is going to do is Mac Jones is going to win the interview. Yeah. Uh, his intangibles. He worked hard or whatever. I think the hard thing with Mac Jones and others will be separating his production from his supporting cast because, yeah. I mean, he's well, you no hate all the, you hate all the Alabama wide receivers, so you have to I give don't him hate high him. He, he only hate hates Devontae Smith. He loves Jalen Waddle. We're, we're going to do this again. We're going to do this again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I don't think that 165-pound wideouts can come in the league and dominate them. I don't know if we have a history of that in the league. We'll see. Like, I just play the odds. I mean, I heard I that play Marvin Harrison guy was pretty good. <laughs> I've heard that a couple times. <laughs> can I get another one? Can I get another one? Can I take that one off the board? Hey, John Bucky, Ross, Bucky can I take as, a scout, as a scout, you were taught, if you saw it one time, you could see it all the time, right? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, hey, I real quick, I'll just say, and I mean, I, I haven't studied Trey Lance in, in depth, but I've seen enough of him to know 
Uh, the arm talent and the athleticism, mm-hmm. I'll take my chances on that. And it, yeah. it might it might blow up in my face, but I'm I'm especially and this sucks because I'm so influenced by Patrick Mahomes. You know, like I didn't know what to think about Patrick Mahomes in 2017, and and obviously he's amazing. And if there's even a chance that you have a like, if if there's even a chance that you can draft a guy that turns into something like that, I just I gotta do it. That's why oh, I'm in. That's I'm why in you love like Zach, Zach Wilson, right? I'm in love with Zach Wilson. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in love with yeah. Zach Wilson, and and Trey Lance is the same thing. Where I'm like, this guy, this guy can score from 25 yards out on his feet, and he can throw it over the damn moon. So I'll take my chances, even if it doesn't work out. Yeah, I think I think there's something to it. I think. As much as we talk about the Pat Mahomes thing, I think we've been influenced by three quarterbacks in the last five years. Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. Because in, in the past, all those guys, we've spent all our time talking about what they can do. And each of those guys has had a level of success in the league where you're like, well, yeah. those, old, those old thoughts have to do it. And I think now we have to grade the talent and then try and find the fit. The talent yeah. is this thing. Okay, well, where can we fit them? And who can teach right. them how to develop some skills? Right. Well... I did want to say, so I know I know we're gonna go over, but That's okay. um, I never stopped you. I think he I think he rebounded, but you know, Bucky was talking about Carlos Basham having a great week. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a lot of that came at the expense of Trey Smith, the uh, the Tennessee oh, guard. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Which, and I know he's he's a pretty well known name. You know, he he overcame some serious health issues during his college career. Um, you know, he seems like a really high character guy. He was actually. He was at the Star last year for the Jason Witten um, Character Award. Got a chance to spend yeah. some time around him. So, seems like a, a really good guy. And and it's like I said, I think he he rebounded to have some nice practices. But that's that's one of the you know higher tier guards that seemed like he had some rough reps uh, down in Mobile for sure. It's a good recall there, David Hellman. I forgot about him coming to the Star for the Jason Witten thing last year. That, that's that's good. Hey, yeah. how about that? That's the kind of insight that David Hellman provides you on the DallasCowboys.com draft show, as always. But that's going to do it for us this week, or at least this Tuesday. This group will be back next Tuesday, 10 a.m. Be sure to join Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin Turner on Thursday, same time, same place, right here on DallasCowboys.com. But for Chris Beam, for Bucky Brooks, Brian Broadus, and David Hellman, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. Thanks for joining us this week on the draft show presented by Miller Lite. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!